Hi and welcome to the Demand Matrix podcast series Sunny Side Up. I'm Paroma. I'll be your host for the day. Hi Nick, welcome to the Sunny Side Up podcast hosted by Demand Matrix. We're really happy to have you here today and we're really excited to talk about a lot of interesting things related to B2B marketing, the SaaS and the DAS marketplace today and of course about your journey and what it's like being a tech entrepreneur. So Nick, it would be great if you can tell us about your journey so far, a little bit about your story before you started Aptrensic, which is now Gainsight PX. And we'd also love to know about what led to the idea behind your latest venture, Syncury. Thank you, Paroma. I'm just very happy to be here. And well, these kinds of questions I don't really do very well with, but uh, see, I spent 28 years in Silicon Valley working for various startups, including, you know, more recently where I was EVP of product for Marketo. I spent seven years there and grew the company with everyone else from 2.5 million to about 300 million in ARR. Let's see, I left Marketo. I left Marketo to start something that was adjacent to Marketo to pioneer sort of product-led go-to-market strategies with a company I mm-hmm. found called Intrinsic, which was sold to Gainsight last fall, as you pointed out. But March of this year, I started Syncury with my former chief scientist of Marketo. His name is Nilesh Sastry. And uh, we're working on trying to help solve the data problems that we're seeing in today's uh, SaaS applications. Great. So what, what would be your long-term vision for Syncury? I know it's just, it's a very, very new launch. And I think you're still working on your go-to-market strategies and things like that. So what is your long-term vision at the end of all of this? Yeah, you're right. We just started, but we're still in stealth actually. But my long-term vision is to move the the whole industry away from these unidirectional API integrations that we all seem to have gotten used to, to what we're calling mm-hmm. cognitive synchronization of data that addresses the growing issues with you know, essentially data quality, data governance, and data consistency that enterprises are suffering with. So essentially, it's moving us from simple API connections to smart data connections for best-in-category cloud strategies that are being used for applications in order enterprises. Great. So this is your second venture now, and you've been a seasoned B2B tech professional also and an entrepreneur, very successful one. Which is the role that you perform or what's the pro and con between the two? That's an interesting question. I was thinking about that. And I think every seasoned B2B tech professional is always an entrepreneur at heart. If they're not, they're probably in the wrong thing. But the trick is really knowing where you need to dive deeply and get deeply involved into, for example, versus at the various stages of growth, I think is probably the biggest key to doing that. So I was reminded recently at Marketo that the more successful the company gets, how insignificant you really become to the organization, which I guess is the ultimate goal for an entrepreneur to become essentially just less important to the overall success of the business over time. And it's also why I personally probably don't do very well in super large companies. So I guess to answer your question most directly, I mean, I definitely prefer being an entrepreneur in my heart. That's amazing. And what are some of the top factors that fuel this entrepreneurial spirit? Is it the flexibility, the freedom to run your business the way you want? What exactly are the top factors for you? That's an easy one. I don't do this for any of those things right now. I do because I just love to build products that move you know, the needle in the uh-huh. industry, sort of developing uh-huh. future thinking technologies that solve real problems and seeing people's faces light up when you show them what you've done for them. And all those things are just gold for me. And personally, I have this internal thing that drives me, and that is I really want to build a big company that becomes a successful public company, but I also want to build one that has long-term longevity in the marketplace. All those things, I would say, are things that fuel me in that regard. Sounds amazing. So obviously, this is a very pertinent question for someone like you. 
How do you see the SaaS and the DAS marketplace evolve in the coming years? Yeah, this is a little cliche, but I just think we're nearing the stage in SaaS where it's just finally become ubiquitous in enterprises. I mean, the people's fears of cloud applications are finally given way to the efficiency and time to market gains that we always knew would be realized for enterprises from SaaS. But quite simply, I just see more and more SaaS solutions for both consumers and businesses emerging and evolving. And yeah, I just see more goodness coming from that. Great. So obviously data management is is very critical today. Now that we're talking about all of this and uh, we'd like to focus on data management a little bit. And it's very critical to any marketing and sales team. It's core, it's driving marketing, it's driving sales and everything is all about data and everyone's going crazy. So what would your top tips be for them to optimize this effort? I'm sure you see, see a lot of your peers, a lot of your fellow companies and maybe past customers face a lot of challenges. So what would you say to all of them? That's also true. And you're also at the heart of why we founded Syncery. I mean, after years of Marketo and to some extent, the stuff we did at Intrinsic, you know, I started to realize that there's a huge problem in businesses with data consistency and data quality in organizations. We were seeing a lot of that even at Marketo. So much so that, you know, I don't know if there's a recent Gardner study that you might want to include in this that predicts that an average company with about 100,000 records in their database is spending nearly $4 million on data quality issues over three years. So essentially, we're working really hard to fix these issues and what we see happening in companies today. And you guys know that data quality when you're doing marketing campaigns is just absolutely critical. Yet it's like the one thing we sort of avoided in the industry because it just hasn't been really easy to do up until now. So then given your observations in the SaaS DAS and the data data space today, what kind of technologies do you see a growth and demand for in the future, especially for marketing and sales teams? And how will the demand for better data management platforms, especially better data management platforms evolve? Great question. I mean, I really think marketing teams are once again going through a transformation. We were seeing that even at Uptrinsic. And it's no really big secret that traditional inbound strategies alone based on demand generation from content and email marketing, they're just not working like before. And we started to see a lot of this at Marketo and it's gotten much worse over the, the last few months and years. So I just see more multimedia. I mean, I see really targeted outbound and relationship development becoming important again, like it used to be back in the day. And at Marketo, we were calling this hyper-personalization with account-based focus and some of the stuff we were doing at Marketo and at Intrinsic. And I just see these strategies continue to gain ground. So having said all that, data quality and just data relevancy and consistency and just being able to have your entire organization working off the same hymn sheet, for lack of a better term, is just immensely critical to making sure people are attacking the right things. So new platforms that are founded on core market automation, but become true multimedia delivery systems for targeted outbound accounts are emerging and continue to mature. I also believe, and you know, hopefully salespeople won't take this the wrong way, that sales teams just waiting around or complaining about leads for marketing, they just need to go back to a more formal account outbound selling to make an impact in the market that we just happen to find ourselves in. So I think all of those are factors that are sort of reshaping and not reshaping, but, you know, sometimes what's old is new and what's new is old, you know, so that's uh, kind of what we find ourselves in. Great insights. And given that you're an tech entrepreneur, we'd like to shift focus a little bit now and talk about maybe a few funding tips. What would your 
advice be to fellow tech entrepreneurs when it comes to raising Series A, especially because a lot of them, obviously, small time entrepreneurs, some people who don't have any backup, who've been bootstrapped since the beginning, they are looking out for funding after a period of time. What would your advice be to them? For me personally, and this is not for everyone, right? I mean, I view Series A as simply a milestone in what is going to be a super long journey. So everyone's journey is different. You mentioned the couple where people start off more bootstrapped versus being able to raise a seed round and things like that. But I mostly would reiterate to just go slow, make sure product market fit is there and make sure you're doing enough research, especially, and I learned this the hard way a little bit, but to ensure that you're targeting a large enough market that you can go attack in a prescriptive way. So I just think, again, Series A is just a milestone. Focus on your business, grow it slow if you can, and just enjoy the journey. Great. So then before we wrap up for the day, are there any other key words of advice and takeaways you'd like to share with our audience? Any tips on B2B marketing, any specific innovative strategies they can think about, or any innovative tips for entrepreneurs to go to market? Where are all yours? Having just recently gone through this, they're pretty much top of mind. So a few tips here are, you know, first, I would resist the urge to go raise a lot of money in the beginning, like we just talked about. I mean, build slowly continue to remove risks along the way. And when you're ready to scale, then worry about the big rounds because until then it's not clear you have enough established yet. So, you know, second, I'd say pick the right co-founder and team. You absolutely need to be paired with someone who is a personality compatible, but also capable in the area of, of expertise. So all those things are important when you're starting. Third, I'd say, you know, there can only be one general in a war. So if you're the CEO, Make sure you and the rest of the company and team know that you're the general and you can disagree with you and or with me or whoever, but you need to make sure that orders are followed no matter who it is right at the end of the day. There's another thing I think is important. I call it lather, rinse, and repeat. Essentially, Mm -hmm. a lot of people tend to focus on trying to build 100% of their MVP from their product vision. And I just think that's a mistake. I mean, I really think releasing early speaking to lots of people, enhancing and repeating that process until you get to the right point is the right way to go about it. You know, uh, trying to wait for, I'm not done with my product yet is not the best solution, but you know, you have to have enough there to where there's solving a real problem. And, you know, lastly, I just, again, reiterate that product market fit and go to market strategy early on need to be your number one priority. Who are you attacking? Who's your buyer? What are their key pain points? How does your product solve those pain points? And how do you go speak to them in a way that targets a specific audience to go after in, in your go-to-market strategy? So, you know, those are just a few tips I think are critical to any anybody starting out. All of them sound amazing. Nick, thank you so much for your time today and for sharing all these amazing all-around insights for us today. I hope you have an awesome day ahead. Thank you so much. And I, I really appreciate the time and uh, appreciate you doing this for us. 